I want you to go with me to the gospel according to Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter number 9. We'll begin reading in verse number 9, Matthew chapter number 9 and verse number 9. And the word of God says, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician. But they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy. Let me repeat those words again. I will have mercy. Aren't you glad God is a God of mercy? I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. I want you to notice a phrase we find in verse number 13 when Jesus said to those who questioned his disciples, why is Jesus sitting with publicans and sinners? And Jesus said to them in verse 13, go ye and learn. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. Go and learn. Go and learn. When you got in the car, you had your stuff packed. You said, I'm off to ambassador. No doubt people said, go and learn, right? And you've been in school. And you will continue to be in school. I'm in school. We're all in school. We're in the Lord's school. And there's something the Lord has for us to learn. And let's ask him this morning to help us to begin to learn it. All right? Would you pray with me? Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that you would, by your spirit, speak to us today. Give us ears to hear. Quicken us, our hearts and our minds. Remove from us the distractions of the day, and may we hear your voice, and may we respond in obedience to your word. We pray, God, that you would help us to learn from you, in Jesus' name, amen. In the verses previous to these, we read that Jesus healed a man who was sick of a palsy. And this is perhaps the same man, no doubt, who was let down of those four who climbed up on the roof and opened the roof and let him in. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 6, he said, But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house." You see, the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated his power to forgive sins by healing a man with a condition that was apparent to all. He couldn't walk. They had to 
open the roof. They had to let him down in the bed so that he could get to Jesus. This was apparent to all, and Jesus chose to show that he could, by healing this man, also forgive sins. Well, then we come just a few verses later to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. And we find that Jesus, as he is passing through, finds a man named Matthew. And the Lord Jesus employed the power uh, in the life uh, of, of this man. He employed that same power that, that caused that lame man to rise. He employed that same power. He used that same power to choose a man who was the worst sinner in Galilee, at least in the eyes of all those who were watching. The worst sinner in Capernaum, a man named Matthew, who was a publican. He was viewed as a traitor. He was hated by his people. He worked for the oppressive Roman government as a tax collector. And he used his position to extort money from the citizens of Galilee. He was among the most reviled in Capernaum. And this is the man that Jesus came to save, the worst sinner in Capernaum. Not only did he come to save him, but what did Jesus do? He called him, right? He said, follow me. Now, there were many others present that day who needed healing and forgiveness. And their condition was not as apparent as the condition of this man named Matthew. They didn't see the sin sickness of their own hearts and their own lives. But whether they realized it or not, they were in desperate need of healing. They needed the touch of God, the touch of the great physician, and only he could see it. And so the Lord is going to choose this one man who everybody knew to be the worst sinner in Galilee, who everybody despised, who everyone there hated. The Lord is going to demonstrate his power to forgive sins in the life of this man. Now, for us to properly understand uh, this passage and, and receive all that God has for it, we need to understand there are two perspectives here, all right? There is the perspective of man, and there is the perspective of God. And it was apparent to the men of Capernaum that Matthew was a sinner. And it appeared that the Pharisees who were present were righteous. They were the religious leaders. They were the law keepers. They were the teachers of the law. And their righteousness, of course, we know was most apparent to them, right? They knew themselves to be uh, the righteous people. And so they saw themselves as righteous men, religious leaders, and the people revered them as such. We also have to see the perspective of God. And God, of course, knows that all of us have one common problem. No matter who you are today, no matter where you came from, no matter what your family pedigree is, there's something we have in common with everybody else in this world. Do you know what that is? Sure you do. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? We're all sinners. We all share in that human condition. And as such, the Bible tells us there is none righteous. 
No, not one. None of us. We're all sinners. And so we need to understand that's God's perspective of us. And we need to understand in this passage you have the perspective of man. Now, as we think about the Lord's command, he said, go and learn. What is it that we can learn from in this passage? And I want to give you three thoughts. First of all, we can learn from Christ's call. We can learn from Christ's call. I want you to go back now and let's look again at verse number 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, follow me. Follow me. And the man did something amazing. He arose and followed him. And it came to pass in verse 10, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. You see, we're going to learn something here from Christ's call. Now, as we think about this call that he extended, I want you to see that in verse 9, he saw the man. He saw the man. The Bible says again in verse 9, as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man. Let me ask you a question. Aren't you glad that we have a God who sees us? And he sees us in our need. Now, I want you to know that many would have passed by Matthew that day. They would have known he was there. They would have perhaps seen him maybe in the peripheral vision, but they would have discounted him. They would have discarded him. They would have looked at him perhaps in disdain and contempt and walked on past him without acknowledging his presence. And by the way, I know a lot of Baptists who do the same thing, don't you? But Jesus saw the man. He saw the man. This publican. Now, again, let me, let me talk about who the publicans were. They were primarily Jews, of course, who worked for the Roman government, collecting taxes. And uh, the way they made their living is they would charge taxes to the people, and there were multiple taxes. I mean, taxes upon taxes upon taxes. We think we have it bad today. Listen, they had it worse. And the way these publicans made their money is by taking a tax and excising more of a tax than what was required. And they had the authority and the backing of the Roman government. So they were robbing people, basically. They were hated by the people. And because uh, Matthew is a Jew, he is held in greater contempt and disdain as a traitor. And so these publicans were known for their dishonest dealings. They were known for their excessive taxation. And they were considered by the people to be the worst sinners of all. Now, if I ask you to define or describe the worst sinner you could possibly imagine today, I imagine we would get a number of different responses, but there would probably be many common things uh, that we would associate as being the worst sinners of all. And so Jesus calls this man Matthew, a man who was hated by men, <clears throat> yet, though he's hated by men, he's loved of God. For God so loved the world. That's everybody in it, aren't, isn't it? All of us. He so loved the world. 
And this man is a man who's greedy of gain, but he's empty in his soul. He's a man uh, who is held in contempt. But yet this is the man that Jesus saw. He looked at him. He loved him. And then notice something else. Not only did he see the man, but the Bible says, and he saith unto him. Not only did he see him, but he spoke to the man. Oh, isn't that wonderful to hear the voice of Jesus? To hear his voice? For God to speak to us? For God to, uh, to engage in a conversation with us? And by the way, Jesus was constantly speaking to people who were surprised to hear from him. Remember the woman at the well? Thou, thou being a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. <laughs> I'm a woman hated by my own people. The offcast, the outcast of all the outcast, and yet you're speaking to me. Yes, those are especially the people that Jesus likes to speak to. And by the way, he spoke to us, didn't he? And we have today in our hands uh, the pages of God's word that reveal what God has to say to you and I. And so the Lord saw the man. And then he spoke to the man. And by the way, God sees you. Uh, we've heard some testimonies about uh, financial struggles and hardships and difficulties and, and things that uh, many of you are facing, no doubt, and perhaps even greater afflictions and troubles. I want you to know that God sees you. And he speaks to you. To those who are discouraged, to those who are afflicted, to those who are addicted to those who are broken, and to the blind, and to the poor, and to the empty. God sees them, and God speaks to them. But notice something else. When he calls Matthew, Matthew arose from his seat, and he followed Jesus. Verse 10, and it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat, in the house. You see, not only did the Lord see him, not only did he speak to him, but the Lord sat with him. He sat down beside him. He shared a meal with him. He had a conversation with him. You see, the man followed him. We know that the man hosted the Lord Jesus. Jesus attended. The man invited his friends to attend. And the Lord Jesus Christ came into contact with the worst sinners of all. Now, I want you to think about the disciples just for a minute. You, as a disciple, let's imagine you're one of them. And you're following Jesus. You have forsaken all to follow Jesus. And you believe that he's the Messiah. By the way, what were they looking for in a Messiah? A Savior? No, they were looking for a political deliverer, right? Somebody who would deliver them from Roman oppression. By the way, that's what... A lot of people are looking for today a political deliverer. Have you learned yet that that's not going to happen? It's just not going to happen. You see, our deliverer is delivering us from the real problem, the problem of sin. Now, I want you to imagine your disciple and, and, and you're, you're following Jesus and you want others to follow Jesus. You've forsaken all to follow him. And he chooses the worst sinner he could possibly choose. Matthew, 
And not only does he choose to save him, but he calls him to follow him. He said, I want you on the team. I can imagine they had a little conference among themselves and said, wait a minute. We're not going to build a following like this. These aren't the kind of people we want to be associated with. By the way, God deliver us from that kind of thinking, right? Jesus Christ came into the world to save who? Of who I am chief. Who said that? The greatest Christian we know who ever lived. The Apostle Paul. He said, I'm chief. And friends, we need to realize if he's the chief, we're right there with him, right? And so I can imagine these disciples and and their concern about why Jesus would call this man. But there are lessons for us to learn. And we learn, first of all, from Christ's call. He saw the man. He spoke to the man. And he sat down with the man. Well, I want you to learn a second lesson. Not only do we learn from his call, but we learn from Christ's critics. The critics are always going to be there, aren't they? Look in verse number 11. And when the Pharisees saw it, (laughs) they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Now, I think there's some lessons we can learn from these critics. First of all, I think we understand that they had the wrong view of self. They had the wrong view of self. And do you know that if we're not careful, we'll get the wrong view of ourselves? Now, what did these Pharisees think? Well, they thought they were pretty good. They thought they were pretty righteous. They considered themselves uh, to be the, the leaders, the standard, if you will, of righteousness. They, they, they not only were the standard, but they, they set forth the standard that, that everyone else was expected to follow. And, and they did not recognize one thing. They did not reconcile, uh, recognize, rather, that they were all sinners. So they had the wrong view of self. And, and then secondly, they had the wrong view of sinners. Now everybody in the room, everybody in Capernaum knew that Matthew was a sinner. But how were they going to respond to this sinner? Well, the way the Pharisees responded is that they were condemning and unmerciful. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I will have mercy. But there was no mercy from the Pharisees. By the way, we live in an unmerciful age. We live among unmerciful people. There's a new religion today. There's a new standard of righteousness today. A social standard. An ungodly standard. And if you don't fall in line with them, if you say anything that goes against the agenda of the day, then I want you to know you're going to be condemned. There'll be no mercy. And by the way, I know some Christians that are like that too. If if you don't get in line with us, If you don't do it like we do it, then you're the problem. So they had the wrong view of self. They had the wrong view of sinners. And then lastly, they had the wrong view of the Savior. You see, they viewed Jesus as a man. They viewed him as a teacher. But he's more than that. He's a greater than Solomon, isn't he? In Matthew chapter number 11 and verse number 18, Jesus uh, talking to this crowd said, For John came neither eating or drinking. And they say, he hath a devil. The son of man came eating and drinking. 
And they say, Behold, a gluttonous man, and a wine-bibber, and a friend of publicans and sinners. So they had the wrong view of the Savior. Uh, they viewed him as a man. They didn't view him as who he was. They didn't view him as God. And so when they asked the question, why eat with, why company with, why would you come into contact with these publicans and sinners? You see, this, this self-righteous crowd, they were appalled by the contact that Jesus made with a sinful crowd. And by the way, that's the crowd we're supposed to go to. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to who? Every creature. But you know, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll create all kinds of obstacles that people have to run over and hoops they have to jump through if they're going to associate with us. But we're called to preach the gospel to every creature. And you see, this crowd, they failed to see their own sin. And they failed to see Christ for what He came to do. To seek and to save that which was lost. And if that's going to happen, it can only happen as we go to those who are lost. That's what our mission is. That's what our calling is. Yes, Jesus is a friend of sinners. And if we're going to help sinners come to Jesus, then we need to make some friends. Now, we don't need to participate in their wickedness. That's obvious to us today. But we need a new approach and a new view. We need to see ourselves for who we are. Saved sinners. By the way, the more you live and the older you grow, the more you're going to realize how much you really need a Savior. You remember when Paul said, I'm trying to do the right thing, but I can't do it. And, 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 and I'm trying not to do the wrong thing, but I keep doing it. Romans chapter 7, have you read that passage? Doesn't that encourage you? I'm reading that and I'm thinking, somebody knows how I feel. Paul said, I, I want to do right, but I can't do it. And I, I don't want to do wrong, but I, I keep doing it. And then he said this, oh, wretched man that I am. Do you know something today? You are a wretched man. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? Like me. Oh, you look good today. You got a nice haircut. And uh, you got a nice shirt and a nice tie, a nice dress. Um, you look good. But on the inside. You got the same problem Matthew had. And the same problem the people in this community have all around us. We're all sinners. Now what sets us apart? It's not our righteousness, is it? Whose righteousness then is it? It's his. It's his righteousness. And by the way, John said we're going to sin, right? And he said if we say we have no sin, we are we're lying. And then he said this, I'm so glad he said this. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You see, the only difference between me and that guy is I have an advocate. My record is just as dirty as his. When you look at it from a human perspective. But when you look at it from a divine perspective, 
My advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, stands forth when the accuser points his crooked finger at me. And God the Father looks at the righteousness of my advocate, Jesus Christ, and he sees his record imputed to my account and all the guilt and all the sin and all the shame has been blotted out. But it's not my righteousness. It's his. And these men, they had the wrong view of Jesus, what he had come to do and who he was. You know what they thought? They thought those sinners were going to contaminate Jesus. In the Old Testament law, if you read about that, you'll find that if anyone has an issue, a running issue, they're bleeding, they're unclean, and they're not supposed to be around other believers, other people in the nation of Israel. But we know that there was a woman who came to Jesus. You remember her? She had an issue, right? An issue of blood. And she was trying to get to Jesus. She had been to many physicians. We know that. And she'd spent all of her living, but she wasn't any, any way improved. She was rather getting worse, right? But she said in her heart, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, a, a, a sinner, a, a person with an issue of blood, unclean, if I can just touch Jesus. Now, here's what the Pharisees would have said to her. Oh, you can't do that. You'll contaminate him. But you see, you can't contaminate. You cannot defile the Son of God. And so when she touched the hem of his garment, he stopped. And he said, who touched me? You know what the disciples said. Lord, I mean, look at this crowd. How can you ask who touched you? He said, no, virtue's gone out. You see, she didn't defile him. He cleansed her. And when we get sinners to Jesus, that's what he does. He cleanses them. And we can learn a lesson from the critics today. We can learn that Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God, came to seek and to save that which was lost. They had the wrong view of themselves. They had the wrong view of sinners. And they had the wrong view of the saviors. The Savior, rather. By the way, the Pharisees were the only blind men who ever came to Jesus and didn't get their sight restored. The Pharisees were the only lame men that came to Jesus and were still unable to walk after they met him. They were the only dead men that came to Jesus who weren't raised to life. They were the only demon-oppressed men who came to Jesus and didn't get delivered. They thought they were the physicians. They, they wanted him to come to them and seek their approval. But he bypassed them, didn't he? And he went to those who were in need of him. And so, may God help us to learn from his call. He saw the sinner. He spoke to the sinner. He sat with the sinner. May we learn from his critics. They had the wrong view of themselves. They didn't recognize they were sinners. They had the wrong view of sinners. They had no love, no mercy, no compassion for them. And they had the wrong view of the Savior. How could he allow himself to be contaminated with this crowd? Well, then I want you to see a third lesson. And that is the lesson that we learn from Christ's class. Learn from Christ's class. You know, Jesus has a class. 
And uh, you won't graduate from this class till you get to heaven. You'll be in it the rest of your life. Now let's see what Jesus said in verse 12. But when Jesus heard that, when he heard the response of that crowd, that Pharisee group, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. <laughs> then he said this, Go ye, but go ye, and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, when I was a student at the University of Tennessee, I, I decided that I was going to be an engineer. By the way, that's what I decided. And uh, I enrolled in the engineering program at the University of Tennessee. And I went to the statics class. And uh, my teacher was of Middle Eastern descent. His natural tongue was Arabic. He did not speak the East Tennessee dialect of English. I had a hard time understanding that guy. 200 people in a statics class. I don't even know what statics is. And here I am, you know, as far as I know, it's the stuff that you try to get out of your clothes, right? Static. And uh, I'm thinking, what in the world? What am I doing here? Well, I'm going to be an engineer. Well, what's an engineer do? He drives a train, right? No, that's not what he did. You see, I was just floundering around. Not seeking God, not seeking God's will, just doing what people told me to do. I had a math teacher. He was, uh, uh, I went, I attended Halls High School in, in Knoxville the last two years I was in school. Uh, and uh, I'm, our math teacher, his name was Mr. Simmons, and he was a real uplifting, encouraging fellow. He told us that nobody was going to have a job uh, in the coming years if we did not uh, major in one of these uh, math or science fields and I'm not a math or science guy I did good enough in class to do well on the tests and and I did well enough to get into the engineering program but I really didn't care for it you know just and I found out you got to actually go to class if you want to learn something <laughs> hey that might be good for you to learn <clears throat> and you got to work you got to study see I went to high school and didn't have to study I did okay but when I got to college, that, that didn't work, you know. My son, who's in, uh, he's uh, doing his master's degree, pursuing that right now. I remember telling him when, I, when he's leaving high school, I said, look, you, you're getting ready to hit a whole new world. And uh, you better get ready. You can't do what you did then and get by. And he's learned that lesson. And I would imagine many of you are learning that now. And you've got financial pressures, and by all, all the way, this is sort of a diversion and a side note to the whole sermon, okay? You've got financial pressures, and you've got social pressures, and you've got, uh, you're missing home, and, and all of those things. I want you to know God's teaching you something through all of this that is so invaluable. Don't take the easy road. Take the road and the path that God leads you on. He has much for you to learn. And so... I was a student at University of Tennessee. Let me get back to it, okay? I was a student there at the University of Tennessee, and I was taking statics, and then I took chemistry. <laughs> and uh, three days a week, I went to lecture. At least three days a week, I was supposed to go to lecture. Let's put it that way. 
And one day a week, I went to lab. In lecture, you learn principles. In lab, you apply them. So we're going into Christ's class this morning, all right? And we're going to go to lecture, and then we're going to go to lab. So let's go to lecture. We see it in verse 12. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. There's the lecture. The lecture. He starts with an illustration. They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. My wife is constantly saying to me, you need to go to the doctor. And I said, why do I need to go to the doctor? I feel pretty good. I'm not really sick. Now, I know I need to heed her advice. There's no doubt about that. But you don't go to the doctor and show up and they say, well, what's wrong with you today? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing's wrong with you. Well, why are you here? Well, I just thought it'd be a good thing to do. You see, normally we go to the doctor when there's a problem. The problem with these Pharisees is that they didn't realize they had a problem. Matthew knew he had a problem. People reminded him all the time of his problem. But these Pharisees didn't know they had a problem. And oftentimes, sometimes you and I, we don't recognize that we need a problem. And Jesus said, wait a minute, I want you to know that I am the great physician, but you won't come to me because you don't recognize that you have a problem. And so there's an illustration And then there's a declaration for us in verse 13. He said, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy. Here's the declaration. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Here's the declaration. Christ will have mercy. I'm so glad that our God is a God of mercy. And all of us have one need today. We stand in need of the mercy of God. And then he says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. What does he mean by that? You see, he didn't need my sacrifice. He was coming to make the sacrifice for me. He's the only sacrifice that could appease the justice and the wrath of Almighty God. So he said, I'll have mercy. I'll make the sacrifice. And I have come to call sinners to repentance. As I said just a moment ago, Paul, in reference to that, said this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. There's the lecture. But then we have the lab. Jesus said, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. Go ye and learn. You see, Jesus is calling us to follow him. And I think there's some things we learn in the lab. And I'll I'll give them to you and we'll be done. Those who follow Christ develop a new perspective. We develop a new perspective. A new perspective concerning our view of sinners. Our eyes are opened as we follow Jesus. And we begin to see souls in need of a Savior. We look through the light of heaven and through the lens of compassion. We gain a new perspective in the lab following Jesus. Those who follow Christ develop a new practice. 
a new practice. We do things that are uncomfortable for us to do. We begin to speak to those we see. You know the clerk at the store, the guy at Burger King or Taco Bell or McDonald's or wherever it is that you like to frequent? The person with the purple hair and the earring through the nose? The person that uh, it's obvious to them that they are not, or obvious to you rather, that they are probably not in a Bible-believing church like you are. A new practice then begins to, to speak to people and speak to them about Jesus with a heartfelt concern and extend an invitation for them to come to Jesus. You see, those who follow Christ develop a new perspective and a new practice, and then they develop a new pattern. They begin to sit with those who are sick. They begin to make time to consider the needs of the lost. You see, if we desire to get the sick into the office to see the great physician, should we not be willing to sit with them in the waiting room? The answer is yes. I was in a conference some time ago, and one of the associate pastors did a a session in that conference, and uh, he gave us a number of a percentage, a goal that he had established for himself concerning his time. And he said, I'm resolving with God's help to spend this much time in my week meeting people, talking to people who don't know Jesus. In most churches, like my own, oftentimes we sit in offices and we talk and we we discuss plans and, and, and we try to strategize and we implement programs, but mainly what we do is just kick around all the problems and all the complaints. When we ought to be getting out there. And you see, when you follow Jesus, you'll have a new perspective, a new practice, and a new pattern. And you'll have, lastly, a new purpose. You're going to understand you're not here to build a kingdom. You're not here uh, to to build your own kingdom. You're, You're not here to find a political deliverer. You're here to help people come to know Jesus and be saved from their sin and find a home in heaven. And may God help us to learn these lessons. Jesus said, go and learn. What that meaneth. And many of you, as you go from this place, will continue to learn the heart of God, these lessons that He has for us. 